Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge against somebody that denies they were ever involved in a car crash. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, co-worker tried to claim my 15-page report as her own work to the CEO, got outed in front of him. This was a young woman who only got her job, especially made for her, because her dad was golfing buddies with our CEO. She regularly blamed her team for her numerous mistakes and took all the credit for their hard work. Let's call her Witch. I used to do trade shows and after the fall season would be back in the office and create a comprehensive report on the results of the shows normally 15 plus pages. The Veeps always wanted paper reports, not attachments, so I normally printed them out and distributed them personally to the staff. I handed Witch her copy as we passed in the corridor, then watched in sheer amazement as she marched straight into the CEO's office and said, I kid you not, here boss, I just put this together for you. Stunning, the report was all about trade shows and she wasn't even in the same department. Cue the revenge. I marched in there right after her and said, Oh, witch, I just realized that my report had some numerical errors. Let me have it back and I'll get you a revised one. All the while staring at the CEO with a slightly raised eyebrow. As I left, I heard the most wonderful words from the CEO. OP, would you please close the door as you leave? Witch came out about five minutes later, looking like a ripe tomato. I couldn't resist asking, how was your little tete-a-tete with our boss? Honestly, I'm surprised people let it go on for as long as it did. I mean, I know they probably have like crazy stability with the nepotism hire, but you'd think that pretty early on if somebody caught on that she was stealing credit, they'd speak up. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, am I the jerk for getting my bully kicked out of his dream school? I'm 18 and a senior in high school. I have four classes a day and share two of them with this bully. We will call him Carson. I'm slightly autistic but mask very well, so most people just assume I'm a little off or weird. Increasingly throughout the year, Carson has berated, excluded, and made fun of me, with full support from his group of popular football friends, despite the fact that I've been nothing but kind and offer to talk about whatever his issues with me are time and time again. In my town, racism and homophobia are taken very lightly, so there were countless photos and videos of him using racial and homophobic slurs on other students' private or spam Instagram accounts. A few weeks ago, he was far more aggressive towards me than usual, telling me I'm a leech, no one likes being around me, etc. I decided I'd wait for college admission periods to end and send my compiled evidence of his racism and homophobia to his college of choice a very prestigious university, so that he'll either have to go to community college or wait until next year to enroll in a real university. I've not broken any laws, nor have I been dishonest or misleading to the school and questioned what the things he said, but I'm aware that this was an extreme form of payback and expect he'll be fairly upset when he finds out he's no longer wanted. Am I the jerk? P.S. While I originally wrote this for Am I the Jerk and do want the question answered of if this was a justifiable course of action, it's also quite the revenge story and hope it belongs here better than it did there. I don't think anybody has to feel bad or apologize or even remotely feel like the jerk when you get bullied 
and you report to whatever related officials you share in common what's going on. This guy definitely deserved to have all of that stuff be reported. Our next story is the time my boss outed himself to the CEO for copying my work. Just after I left uni, I got an admin job in a large corporate. I quickly got two promotions because I was good with computers in an age when this wasn't as common as you would think, particularly as a lot of management in this place were older and still not great with computers. About two years into the job, my lovely manager left and we got a new guy who was absolutely useless. He'd been through an accelerated management training scheme so we were all expecting good things but he was shockingly bad at pretty much everything. Senior management stopped giving him work after a while because either he didn't do it or it was so bad someone else had to redo it. Part of my job was to do occasional research and report tasks. I was given a topic and would spend some weeks doing research, generate findings and reports and put them all into a doc and a PowerPoint presentation, which my boss would then present to senior management. Our presentations had a standard format that meant the title slide had key information, topic, date, level of confidentiality, and author. One day, our CEO asked me to sit in on one of the senior briefing meetings because one of the topics being discussed that day was quite technical, and she wanted me on hand to be able to answer a few questions about the tech. I got there early and got a seat around the table, near the front of the room, so that I was near the projector and screen. My manager turns up just on time after everyone has already settled down and rushes in. He sees me and instantly looked panicked. OP, what are you doing in this meeting? You shouldn't be here. CEO says, I asked him to join us today. He's supposed to be here. Manager says, oh, but he has important work to do today, which has a short deadline. The CEO replies, there's nothing urgent I'm aware of. He can stay. There was a really awkward feeling in the room as it was clear my manager didn't want me there. But no one seemed to know why, including me. So anyway, the meeting goes ahead as normal and the first few presentations go ahead as planned. Then it's my manager's turn to get up and talk through the presentation I'd put together. He looked super nervous and the moment the first slide went up, I realized why. The title slide had all the usual information except for one key change. Topic, date, level of confidentiality, and author. But for some reason, my name was changed as the author and had been replaced by my manager's name. My manager immediately acted shocked, but it was so clear to everyone that he was faking badly. Oh, what's happened here? That should be Epic's name here. He did this one. I say this one? The CEO says... Opie, how many of these reports have you written since manager joined the company? I said, all of them? Was I supposed to? The CEO says, really? Interesting. Let's take a break here. Manager, stay behind please. And so that's how we found out that my manager had been changing my name to his on all my reports and claiming that he'd taken over that job since joining our department. He was not only taking credit for my work, but was also using it as his excuse for why he was so bad at the rest of his job, because he was apparently very busy doing these reports. As you can imagine, the CEO was not impressed, and manager was moved to another department shortly after. He was caught blatantly cheating on all of the work and basically admitting that he doesn't do almost anything, at least well, and he was just moved to another department? What other department did he get moved to? scrubbing the toilets 
This next story is, your friends won't stop parking in my driveway? Congrats, your parents know you vape at 16. My neighbors have a teenage son whose friends keep parking in my driveway. I went to check my mail last week and saw them all out front and decided to nicely bring it up, which was met with eye rolls and fake okays. Monday comes around and I come home to find three of his friends' cars taking all the space I have to park. It was a 14-hour day for me, so I wasn't having it and made my second approach with intention to make myself very clear and said I'd make it the neighbor's son's problem. Tonight, I get home and it's happened again. I went next door and an adult finally answered. I brought up the cars at my place and added a side note their kid never expected. He's also throwing his disposable vapes in my yard and I have the other neighbor as a witness. So I casually asked them to make sure that that stops, and the instant change in expression told me everything I needed to know after I walked away. Shortly after, his friends left, and I can assume they probably won't be back for a while. Happy spring break, kid! Well, at least it seems like they're somewhat responsible. I mean, I guess this isn't too crazy of a behavior from a 16-year-old. Our next story is, don't remove the stickers. I work at a small ski and snowboard shop, and one of the services we offer is a seasonal lease program. For those of you unaware, ski and board equipment can be very expensive, and that means sometimes the sport prices itself out of the picture for some people. We're really proud that we can offer a full package to be taken home and used as many or as little times as the customer would like, all for less than the price of buying just a pair of ski boots. This program does come with some caveats. One of them is the tip of every ski we rent out has a 3 inch by 3 inch sticker with our logo on it. That sticker does double duty by both giving us some free advertising and declaring ownership if the skis get left behind at a resort. At the end of the season, we get a bunch of phone calls from mountains saying, We've got your skis, come get them. As a result, it's really important to us that customers keep our stickers on the skis. Sometimes, however, customers don't want to look like they're on rental equipment in front of their friends. This is specifically a problem in high school and college-age humans. Often, they'll attempt to remove our stickers. However, the ones we use are very heavy-duty, and removal of them usually entails chisels and a good amount of time. They said every year that there's close to a hundred pair of skis someone puts that effort into. We've tried everything over the years to entice people to leave the stickers alone, from fees to rewards to a spot the sticker giveaway program. This year though, I may have cracked the code. Underneath the stickers this year, I stenciled the word LEFT. I labeled 6,000 skis, 3,000 pairs, LEFT and zero skis, RIGHT. Now, most skis no longer have LEFT and RIGHTS, so the word has no bearing on performance. It's there purely to frustrate sticker removers. All season, I've been enjoying customers coming in complaining of having two left skis. I smugly smile and say, our rental skis don't have left and right. We just write that on the tips to catch people who remove the stickers. But yesterday, my plan exceeded my wildest hopes. I had a customer come in to return his equipment, and he informed me that he'd removed the stickers back in December and almost instantly regretted it. He had spent every chairlift ride for the duration of the winter explaining to total strangers that he knows both his skis say left. And no, he doesn't have two left feet, and yes, he's horrible at dancing, but not because of that. 
In addition, he was in a seasonal instructed ski group with his fiance, some friends and co-workers. Apparently after day one of an eight-week program, his group's assigned instructor Nick named him Lefty. His fiance started calling him Lefty, as did his co-workers. Upon returning to work, the story was told to his boss and it's now how everyone at his job distinguishes him from the other employee he works with who shares the same first real name. This is actually really good because you know when they take that sticker off, as far as they've gone to annoy you by taking that sticker off, hopefully you get back at them just as much with them thinking, did I pay for two left skis? It's like telling somebody they purchased a left-handed basketball by accident. This next story is when doctors don't listen. So for various medical reasons, I have idiosyncratic reactions to certain drug combinations. Every single one is listed in my chart, and most doctors who aren't my doctor just ignore them, which is often a bare step below torture, mind. And then this happened, and it seems something was added to my chart so that my meds interactions would be taken seriously. I'm two days post-op, and had actually spent the prior eight hours fighting with my nurse, who is refusing to give me pain meds, because he doesn't want me addicted. The dose was exactly what I take at home, and I was pretty angry. So the doctor on call comes in after my fourth call and listens to both me and the nurse. Yes, it's oxycodone, but again, it's my normal dose. The doctor offers the compromise of Percocet, the same dose of oxy, added Tylenol. I immediately say no, that's a very bad med for me. We spend 15-ish minutes talking past each other, with him trying to reassure me that it has my correct dose, and me trying to get him to understand my weird reaction to Percocet, which the reaction is to Oxy plus Tylenol, whether as Percocet or take an individual, it doesn't matter. I will vomit. Give me Phenergrin, give me Zofran, I will vomit. Doctor rolled his eyes and promised me 8mg Zofran by IV before the Percocet. Then stayed by me trying to get me to switch to them permanently. That's not even my decision. That's my pain management doctor, but whatever. They give me the Zofran and give me the Percocet. It's a pill. Five minutes later, I lean over and throw up on this doctor's $300 shoes. I know that's their cost because it's literally the first thing he says. Not the shoes that cost me $300. I'm not saying I aimed, but that I was trying to avoid making a mess for the orderly, okay? And yeah, I absolutely had to throw up twice more while he watched to make sure I wasn't inducing before this donkey let me have my normal and actually prescribed meds. And yes, I filed a complaint. We never go anywhere. But what I treasure is his reaction the third time in an hour that I threw up on his shoes. I'm willing to bet he didn't actually stand there and let you just throw up on his shoes through. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Three times. Or maybe it's one of those things where you soiled it once and it's already done. Might as well just add a few more layers on, you know? Our next story is Problems Often Have Natural Solutions. I live on a quiet street on the very outer reaches of suburbia. Now, the houses here are all built, or rebuilt, early to mid-2000s. So now is more or less the time where some age-related renovations and whatnot are taking place. So there were more work trucks parked around the last couple of years than in the years before. For the most part, everyone gets on with their neighbors. Now the neighbor opposite decided it was time for his house to get a redo, which it does need, it was starting to look a bit rough around the edges. He'd bought it to rent out and 15 years of tenants will leave it scars. So he hires a company to do it, which is a pretty normal thing to do when you own a rental house, because they make sure building codes are adhered to. And normally this would not even be a story, except the contractor hired the laziest folk imaginable. A 25-yard walk is unacceptable even when it's in the 60s Fahrenheit. So they park next to and opposite the house, which means they park right in front of my house and opposite my house. That makes getting in and out of my house impossible unless you're on a bike or a very small car because you can't make the turn. Requests to park elsewhere are listened to and professionally ignored. This affects others too, as sometimes they leave such a narrow space to drive past that some people don't want to risk it. For context, they're parking proper man-sized pickup trucks, F-350, etc. So not exactly small vehicles, but not huge semis either. The owner of the house actually is understanding and has told them to park elsewhere, but he lives a good 60 to 70 miles away and can't be here every day to keep them in line. Each complaint sees them park in better locations for a day or two before things get annoying again. This has been going on since early March. Complaints get nowhere, the police don't care much about this kind of thing as it's a private road. I was staring out the window, noticing all the birds in my trees which always come at this time of year. Then I got an idea. My property front is lined with three massive trees with their branches hanging well over the street. It provides great shade in the hotter months. But how to get more birds into my trees? I'm not a bird person. But motivation and Google can get you quite far in life. And so I learned exactly what birds are around right now and how to best lure them. Then I went and bought tons of bird feeding things, boatloads of them, and stuff to get them safely into the trees. 
I had around a hundred of them up in those trees and it took me the whole day on Friday. On Saturday I was out, but on Sunday I noticed more birds than usual. But as there are usually many birds chirping in late March, I couldn't be sure. But a Monday was filled with a cacophony of biblical proportions. And the trucks returned and parked in their usual anti-social spot somewhere around 8 a.m. The trees filled up with birds around 9 to 10 a.m. and started gorging themselves on the now insane amounts of food. I was in my kitchen watching as the guys came to their trucks for lunch at 1 p.m. I heard their swearing clearly through closed windows. I had a peek and their trucks were absolutely covered in poo. I literally really mean absolutely covered. The hood, roof, the bed, any equipment in the bed, the windshields, mirrors, door handles, everything was covered in bird poo. Lots of it. It was horrifically awesome. It took them an hour to clean enough off of it just so they could drive as you couldn't clear the windows using the wipers. It's Wednesday today and their trucks are now parked far away. Driving past, you can clearly see that there are still signs of Monday's carnage on them. But apart from some nasty looks, no one said a word. Not one word. It's petty, but it made me feel very satisfied. Well, I know one person that is very, very happy with this outcome. The birds. They got so much free food, and they got to enjoy some target practice. Our next story is... Some people deserve to be ghosted. I, 36-year-old female, had a very close friend when in school. She and I both wanted to be doctors. We were both bright. Due to unfortunate financial reasons, she couldn't get in and luckily I come from an affluent family so I could follow my dream. Naturally, after joining med school, I became very busy but we still remained close and would talk frequently. But slowly over the years, I started sensing resentment from her towards me. She got married early, coming from a conservative family. I was still studying at 25, which is pretty normal for doctors. The late night studying and residency was showing up in my face as dark circles and generally looking tired. She commented once that I should get married quickly since I'm losing my charm. A few months later, she had a baby. Baby fell sick and she called me. Obviously, I helped her. Also scolded her for giving the baby home remedies when he was just three months old, but I started maintaining distance. I never felt good about myself after meeting her. I also heard from common friends that she was bad-mouthing me, but I shrugged it off and never confronted her. One day she called me without a hello or inquiring about me. She proceeded to ask for medical help. I helped her, but told her she only calls me when she needs help and it's not cool. She got furious told me all sorts of things, but what I won't forget is she said I only became a doctor because my father could afford it, and if she was a doctor, she would have been much better than me. I told her sure you might have been, but you aren't. My dad paid for fees, but the studying, exams, working residency, I did all on my own. I blocked her and never spoke to her again. She tried multiple times to get in touch with me, but I never responded. Even in medical questions, I ignored her texts and calls. Few years later when I got married, I invited most of my friends. Everyone was surprised she wasn't there. I told them she wasn't invited. I didn't give the reason. On seeing my wedding photos online, she DM'd saying she's very happy for me but she said she wasn't invited. I replied wedding was for friends and family only. 
Since she's neither, she wasn't invited. Sadly, people grow apart. It's kind of sappy, but stories like this kind of make me think of like the fox and the hound. Sometimes you grow up and you grow apart and her behaviors weren't friend-like. There's definitely no blame to OP for doing what they did. This next story is Enjoy My House. The guy who bought my house screwed me over in a few ways. Claimed he was a first-time buyer, so we were quite generous in accepting his offer price. Later, in the middle of moving our furniture from storage to our new place, he was delaying and delaying for weeks and not telling us the reason. Eventually found out that he was waiting for the remortgage on his other property to come through. Didn't tell us until we were waiting outside the new property with a houseload of stuff, which we were unable to unload because we didn't own the house yet, because the buyer of our house hadn't paid us because his remortgage didn't come through. There was much more, but I'll keep it short cost us thousands in moving fees back and forth and months of pointless stress. So then it was time for revenge. Removed all the light bulbs, removed all the fuses from the fuse box, took all the labels off the keys for the house and left them in a big unidentifiable pile, introduced bubbles into all the radiators and got rid of the pressure in the boiler, used a razor blade to invisibly separate the sealant of the baths and sinks from the walls, Salted the earth in the garden so nothing would ever grow again. Just a little bit more of an explanation for the Americans. In the UK, you can make an offer on a house and have no legal obligation to complete the transaction up until the day that the contracts are exchanged. It's a crap system, and it means that people can literally decide to pull out of a deal 15 seconds before it's done with no consequences. Known as gazumping. It also means you can put down offers on multiple properties just to lock them down and take them off the market and pull out of most of the deals whenever you like. In Belgium, where my partners are from, you make an offer and that ties you in legally so you have an obligation to go through unless there was some sort of false advertising. In our case, the guy strung us along for a total of seven and a half months. At the end, he would literally tell his solicitors to tell my solicitors that we would be exchanging contracts at midday. Then midday would come and we didn't hear anything. Then 4pm would come and we wouldn't hear anything. And we would be on the road with our furniture in a moving van, desperately calling our solicitors to get an update and there would be nothing. As you might imagine, being stuck in the city with a full moving van and nowhere to park it, unable to unload it anywhere, unable to return the van to the rental place because it's full of your furniture, is very expensive. We were also forced to take several weeks of unpaid leave in order to move because the guy had told us we would be exchanging contracts on a certain day and then reneging on the date. Every day we sent multiple emails and made multiple calls to his solicitors explaining that we would be getting our furniture in the van and driving it on exchange day and asking him to confirm that it was definitely going to happen and he would lie and say yes everything's ready and then just silence again we heard informally from the estate agent afterwards that the guy had put down offers on multiple properties and had been stringing some other poor sods along as well as waiting for a remortgage that hadn't actually been approved at the time he made the offer, which was actually illegal on his part, although his solicitors would never admit that. Between the van and the hotels and the unpaid leave we had to take off, we were probably down about 8,000 pounds by the end of the ordeal. I'm willing to accept that I'm a jerk, 
and I'm willing to accept that there's some criminal damage. Good luck proving it. But the lesson remains. Don't mess with people. That's really interesting that, like, you can basically come to an agreement and you can back out of it at any point and not in any way have any liability. My question is, does it work both ways? Basically, when this guy multiple times showed no certainty of ever closing this deal, should and could OP themselves back out of this deal and find a different buyer who would actually, you know, want to close this? Our next story is, deny you were involved in a car crash? Let's see how that pans out for you. Several years ago, I worked for a company who dealt with non-fault road traffic incidents. We arranged repairs or pursued the reimbursement of the value of the vehicle in cases where it was written off and provided our customers with a higher vehicle. At-fault insurers would raise payment of written off vehicles. We would pay the costs for any repairs or hire which would be recovered from the at-fault party's insurer. Getting the at-fault insurers to pay up wasn't always difficult, especially in total loss, write-off cases, considering that the longer it took them to raise the payment, the more expensive the higher vehicle costs became. However, sometimes our customers wouldn't be entitled to a higher vehicle because they couldn't justify a requirement for one, Usually, if they've got another vehicle available to them, insurers would regularly drag their heels on these cases because they didn't want to commit to liability and there were no escalating costs to hurry them along. It was my job to deal with these cases. One case that sticks in my mind to this day was one where the insurer advised their customer had no involvement whatsoever in any road traffic incidents. Our customer had provided the vehicle registration, description of the vehicle, description of the distinctive 6'3 dreadlocked driver, and identified the driver's work uniform, which was just round the corner from where the incident occurred. Despite all the information our customer gave pointing towards their customer, the insurer stood firm that if their customer is denying it, it didn't happen. It looked to be one which would drag on indefinitely until one day I spotted that we had a phone number for the at-fault party. That's when I hatched my plan. I called the number, made sure it was the right person on the end, and started pushing him to admit his involvement. My plan was not to get him to admit it, but to wind him up enough for him to do the thing I wanted him to do. A couple of days later, my plan came to fruition. The at-fault insurers called me, livid that I'd harassed their customer and telling me to not contact him again. I agreed not to use that number again before delivering my killer line. How did we get your customer's number? There was a silence for about 5 seconds before I explained that our customer would have had no way of obtaining this information other than when both drivers exchanged details after the incident. I didn't get much more out of them on that call, and they hung up after telling me that they'll have to look into it further. A couple of weeks later, our customer received the check for the loss of his vehicle. I guess the tragic thing about this is if the insurance company wants to play this game, they can probably dance around this for quite a while. I imagine neither side wants to actually like litigate anything like this because that's probably going to take forever. It's just annoying to see people who are in a situation where they need that insurance to come through for them and the other company who's at fault is playing games and toying trying to get out of paying it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. 
Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.